You're listening to Go with Jamarlin Martin. We have a go hard or go home approach as we talk to the leading tech leaders, politicians, and influencers. This is part two of the interview. Let's go. So you go through Angela Benton's uh, New Me Accelerator. Mm -hmm. I feel like she doesn't get enough credit for Mm -hmm. being in this space where someone like you, the other accelerators, the white accelerators, like, no, keep this guy out of here. And then Angela comes up and like, come on. Yeah. Come on. Let's let, let, let's do this thing. Yeah. Um, how long was the accelerator at that time? Uh, 12 weeks. 12 weeks. OK. So you get out the accelerator, you know, you have a product, right? Mm-hmm. You have some traction and you raise about a million mm-hmm. from who? Uh, my first investors was Mitch, um, Eric Moore. The first person I said that gave me a yes was Eric Moore. Um, which is a brother out of Oakland. I don't know if you met our so good brother. So brother who was yeah, on the bid. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was the first person that pulled the trigger. And that was big for us because when he pulled the trigger, it made everybody else pay attention. It's like, yo, what does Eric see that we may not see? What does Eric know that we may not know? So people started paying attention. And anyone who's raised money before, they'll know. Getting that first yes is the hardest thing. Yeah, that's an important point for the audience is just the way the market thinks when they see you, the best way to de-risk rejections or skepticism is see if you can get someone. Right. Even if it's a small investment, you need someone who they're familiar with, who they think is safe before you step to them. And I would call it a, a, a halo yep. uh, that if you could go out in the market with a halo, uh, someone notable, someone that's respected, Maybe they're on your board. Uh, maybe, you know, they, they invest a small amount. Uh, but that's extremely uh, important. Super important. Super yeah. important. Yeah, it helped yeah, that momentum. Because in, in, in terms of your profile, at least the way the establishment is going to think, is, hey, this is risky. This right. guy, you know, this guy comes from uh, prison. Right. He's black. Right. Check every box. Yeah, he yeah, had every yeah, box yeah. you it's could like, check. Yeah. It's like, man, you're not, you're not, it's like, man, there's too many red flags here. Yeah, we had yeah. every flag you could have. Yeah. <laughs> we compound the flags. So, yeah. so that's why sometimes I told people, like, if I could do it, anyone could do yeah, it, right? Yeah. Because I had every strike you could possibly have, right? Yeah. I didn't have any background, didn't have college, came fresh out of jail, black. Like, I had every strike you could possibly have. So, I mean, at this point, it really shows importance of, you know, if you're solving a real problem, and if you're solving a real problem, the market's gonna gonna agree with that. Then you know you should be able to build what you're trying to build. This is also a point where you know some people say that black people don't help each other enough, or we never help each other. We never kind of do things. But and when I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, they are getting yeah, help from absolutely. people who look like them, like yourself. The brother sure. came up and and, and uh, uh, provided the first uh, big check and sponsorship talk about some of the other investors that fill that out yeah so um then you know after eric you know we had another um big one which was um from shante um and he's he's an angel investor formal um, another brother former player for the um 49ers and okay and um raiders um so he was a huge supporter and then um then you know we had uh mitch kapoor um, and which um, Brian, he's heading that up now. Brian doing a lot Dixon. Of, Brian Dixon's heading that up. Did you meet him at uh, New Me? Yeah, I met yeah. him at one of the demo days. So okay, I met Brian first and then um, talked to Brian. Brian, he got it. He was a believer. 
then later on met end up meeting Mitch um, and then you know talked to Mitch and, and what was interesting is that none of these people said yes on the first meeting it was a it was a it was a process of them seeing us and seeing our progress over a period of time yeah so although you know when I look back it feels like it just happened it really was over the course of six or seven weeks of seeing where we were on week one then seeing doing what, we what you say two. you were good exactly at exactly yeah. and that's yeah. really important is that you know I heard I don't forget who, who, who said this I read it somewhere but they said that investors invest in lines and not dots and it's so true every time you come across and meet an investor that's just one dot on their radar after you meet them enough and they can connect all those dots to a line that's when you're probably closer to being able to get that investment, get into that check. Okay, guys. So you get Kapoor Capital behind you. Mm -hmm. Then at that time, in terms of market size, what were you pitching in terms of how big this company can get at that stage? What was the runway for you guys? Yeah, at, at that time, I didn't know what I was talking about. I was saying some bogus numbers, and I don't remember. I don't <laughs> even remember. It was. It didn't make no sense. But and and it was what's funny about it when I think back at right now, we were saying something like, you know. 10 billion and just we're gonna do this we're gonna do 100 million our first year we were saying all kinds of nonsense but it, what, it, what it really came down to is that early stage people understood that we didn't know exactly what it was gonna gonna be and at the time we only had one product we only did one thing it was an right? experiment it was just photos right yeah so they was really investing in our ability to figure it out and also they was investing in us as individuals and as a team that just had a very strong understanding of the market and a problem overall problem we were trying to solve so overall today we understand what the market looks like like i said you know we have several competitors that are in the billion plus sphere right so it could be just as big as anything else um but you know at the time then it was more so betting on us to be able to understand that we're going to be able to be disruptive enough and introduce um, a product that is sticky enough that will allow us to display and take some of those other larger companies market share since you launched uh pigeonly can you describe for the audience your two biggest mistakes as a founder Jesus. as two a founder biggest mistakes that they could possibly learn from I would say spending too much time trying to have a product be perfect or spend too much time in your own head or in your own process of building something before getting it out there because your learning is accelerated a thousandfold if you're learning in the market versus you have all these random ideas and you're trying to keep making these changes while you're keeping the product in the oven, you're still baking it, right? And you keep yeah. adding this feature and adding this feature, or this would be cool or that would be cool. Um, I would say that's probably one of them. I would say this, the first biggest one that's even bigger than that one is being able to have um, discipline being focused and trying, learning early on that you can't be all things to all people. And, you know, we realize that, you know, if some people will try to, you know, even though it might be good and well or good intention, you know, sway you to take your product one way or sway you to take a product different way, um, you really have to really focus on a very core problem that you want to solve, a very core customer demographic that you want to target. And focus on that because it's just very difficult, especially when you're small, yeah. to be able to boil the ocean, right? And to be able to do everything. So um, that's what I would say is the biggest thing. Very early on, we wasn't as focused as we needed to be. Um, we was a little bit scattered, and which slowed us down a great deal. Um, with, and it slowed down our learnings, which you wouldn't have known until the market would have taught you. But had we been in the market a lot faster, um, the mar we would have had those learnings a lot quicker. And so don't wait for 100%. Nah, go at it nah, at maybe yeah. 70 yeah, and learn it. and yeah, get it to 100 Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Do it. Don't be afraid to you know, change the engine when the plane's in the air. The second one, I would say the importance of team and, and focusing on you know, building a team around you sooner than later, right? So it, a lot of times you'll get so, especially when you build it, you really don't have resources. You're so used to doing everything yourself. 
Um, but sooner than later, you have to, as you start building and building a team around you, um, you have to start, you know, being able to trust your team to be good at whatever respective disciplines that attracted you to them or them to you in the first place. And the more you leverage the teams, it, it allows you to be more efficient, it allows you to focus on what your strengths are, um, and it allows you to do more. So, so, so often I became the bottleneck because I had everything in my head or I was on the person I was involved in every single decision and things like that. And, it, and I became my own bottleneck and slowing process down. So, um, you know, now I'm fortunate enough to have a very strong team and everyone that, you know, really can carry the load and, and they know that they're experts in their own in their own areas and allows us to operate. But I got to that a lot later than I should have because I was too uh hell bent on holding everything so close right i don't want to let it go so um it was really important to be able to not only um build a team but then trust your team to be good at what they good uh, to be good at what they do and then when you find someone that is not a good fit get rid of that person sooner than later um you know it's one thing that tony from zappos always says is you know hire extremely slow and fire very quickly and that's really really important to do how long did it take you to get comfortable on this is not the right person I can't get all emotional about this. It's yeah. time to give them their walking papers. Yeah, it took a while. It took a couple rounds of, of doing it. Where Because most of the times what I found is that by the time I would fire someone, everyone else would have like, damn, what took you so long? I'm thinking I'm going to hurt morale or it's going to be some kind of blow to the rest of the company. And everyone else is like, man, that person should have been gone, right? Yeah. We was waiting on you to pull the trigger type of thing. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing. That's what I've seen so yeah, far. Yeah, that's, that's really uh, true is that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, particularly new entrepreneurs, first-time entrepreneurs, we overthink you know, letting people go like, you know, you're thinking that it's going to be a lot worse than, than, than what it is. And I remember I had to terminate a young woman. She came back, you know, it was like, I was thinking about it, you know, possibly could have done it sooner, but she came back and said, Hey, I understand. And, you know, she wrote an email. Thanks for the opportunity. But a lot of times you're, you're overthinking the yep. impact yep. of doing the right thing for, for, for your business. Yep. Yeah. And do you think there's anything cultural going on where, hey, maybe people who look like us, we're, we're not pulling the trigger fast enough based on what's business, based on what's best for the business because we're caught up on, we're paralyzed with emotions culturally. Do you yeah. think there's any cultural differences? No, absolutely. Differences absolutely. I mean, I, and, I, and I'm probably, I've learned, that's one of the things that I've learned is, you know, how to, you know, separate my emotions from what needs to be done and you know I'm 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 I might be too too good at that now where where it's almost like you know I'm a robot but um I think a lot of times we sometimes might go into something from the position of you know would I be able to find somebody else or was somebody else is willing to work for me or is, is you have this this inferiority type of viewpoint which comes from a lot of things in our society in general um, even when you're talking to investors and just whoever it is, is that you're giving these people an opportunity to be a part of something that you're doing. It's not the other way around. Yeah. Right. So um, I think I think it's just important to keep that in mind, um, you know, as you go out and you build and as you do things, um, because you really do have to remember that, you know, you're creating value in the world and it's dependent on your leadership to be able to reach its full potential. And no one, you know, can stand in the way of that. So if someone is if someone is hindering you from accomplishing that, especially in the business, then that person needs to go. Yeah. So I think on a larger level, it's not a coincidence that Jay Z 
is almost worth a billion dollars. And he looked at his partner, who he was loyal to, Damon Dash, in his mind was hurting him, hurting the business, having so many problems with partners and deals and, you know, being an egomaniac. Right. And, hey, if I want to be worth a billion dollars, I got to put my emotions to the side and let this brother go do his thing. Right. Because... I'm not getting full value for what I bring to the table. He wasn't going to let him, Damon Dash, get in the way of what his destiny was. And Absolutely. I feel like, you know, on a smaller scale, that's how you got to think about letting employees go. Yeah, you know, who, who, who may be uh, hurting the business or maybe you can get someone a lot better. You're, you're shortchanging yourself. Absolutely. Van Jones in so many words, crowned uh, his girl Kim Kardashian as one of the queens of criminal justice reform. <laughs> uh, uh, he said in so many words that she was one of, she has become one of the biggest leaders on criminal justice reform. Is that problematic for you? You don't have to, I don't want to get you to go at Van Jones, but can you just kind of talk in general? Yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think in general, because of the platform that she has, I think Van wants to leverage that, right, for his initiative. So, you know, I don't think, um, I'm not one of the type of people that get in my feelings about people that don't that don't look like me or don't think like me or because I've done business with people that I don't like I don't care so I don't get caught up in that right so it's 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 more important to you know understand and take the standpoint of what are you trying to accomplish what is your goal and if I have to align myself not maybe align is not the right word but I have to co-work or work with someone that we may not have the same views in all aspects, but if we can agree on one thing and it can allow me to push my agenda, push my thing forward, then so be it. At the end of the day, I'm getting the job done. And that's, yeah. and that's how I look at it. As long as it's not causing you conflict with your morals and all that, then you know you should be able to work with someone that you don't necessarily agree with on all things. And I think sometimes us, we get caught up in that too much where because I don't fuck with you, I'm not, I can't even get work done with you. I can't get business done with you. And it's going to be very hard to 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 really build something at a in a large scale to make a huge difference if you're not able to accomplish things with people that you may not agree on every single thing with. Yeah, what makes that problematic for me is that black women, black people in general, have been doing things, including yourself, mm-hmm. uh, tackling this issue, and the Kardashian family, they have been in bed with MAGA and Trump in terms of, hey, we're wealthy, we're white, we, you know, we connect in kind of similar wealthy circles. And so now, because of this, I have access to Trump. Right. I have access to Jared Kushner that Watts or Harlem or people like us, we don't have that access. So to let this wealthy white woman become the sister soldier of criminal justice reform (laughs) and all the black women and other folks have been fighting you're gonna have to give the streets and black women props before you crown 
this wealthy white woman. Absolutely, okay. yeah. absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I I think it it goes it goes, you know, both ways. As in addition to that, we can't isolate ourselves either, right? Like we have to be able to we have to be able to uh, work with people goes back to what we talked about earlier to push our own agendas right yeah so that's that's important but you know i think i think it's pure i think it's talk i think it's really for him to leverage that platform but there's been people who's been in trenches like you've been yeah. saying for you years and decades first. that's all i'm saying that, is that, like you that gotta, they give, have, you gotta yeah. give the other people yeah. props first so uh today it was reported out of the new york times that now the Elizabeth Warren campaign is coming out and saying she's supportive of reparations without any details. Kamala Harris, of course, on The Breakfast Club said that she's also supportive of reparations without any details. Uh, what are your thoughts on the reparations discussion as it's kind of developing with this campaign cycle, particularly with Democrats, where, you know, there's increasingly more Black voters who right. are saying, "Look, you can't just give me a black candidate this time. Yep. I don't care. We if do it's us. A, I don't care if it's a black woman. But what do you have? What type of uh, policies do you have? Uh, because there's no more credit card for the black candidate. Just right. getting our vote because uh, the establishment uh, and elites put a black person in front yep. of us. Yep. Uh, so." Speak to kind of yeah, I think, I think yeah, I think from from that standpoint, like shit, I'm all for it. But it yeah. needs to be something more specific. It needs to be something more concrete, right? And and you know, you look at you know what's happened with 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 other other groups that have been promised you know reparations in the past, whether it's you know when, with the 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 Japanese and and the the Jewish for the Holocaust from from Germany. Um, it just needs to be very specific and detailed of how you're going to do this to, to be able to try to make up. Now, do I believe it? Nah, I think they just. Nah, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't believe it. But I think they're just saying some some general things to try to get get black voters. But I think we need to hold them to the fire and say, give us specifics on what are you actually going to do for us that's going to change and improve our condition in this country um, versus just general top down politics of you know ride one rising tide raises all ships type of stuff. Don't you believe that before you can even get to talking about reparations policy? First, America needs to have a day of mourning for uh, the Africans, our people who were slaughtered and oppressed in the African Holocaust. And we need America, the present day people, to understand what type of trauma Africans have gone through. It's not just getting beat, not just getting killed, not just getting raped, exactly. but the psychological trauma where we prefer, in some cases, white supremacy yep. over the black option. So the, the mental, psychological impacts when you, when you look at us, and, and, and in some cases, look how crazy we are, uh, that how all this stuff is related, where this country will never heal. Right. They need to acknowledge it. people understanding they, yeah. how this has impacted black people. Right. I mean, that's, that's one thing that hasn't really happened, at least that I, I have seen, where as a country, I haven't seen the acknowledgement of the condition 
that black people are the, the, the cause of the condition that black people are currently in yeah. and where that comes from. You hear a lot about, you know, you just have to rise above it or you just have to work hard and all that bullshit. But you don't see a lot of um, very specific acknowledgement of saying, OK, we understand why you think this way. We understand why you see the world this way. We understand why, you know, there's poverty in your neighborhoods when we understand what red, the effect of redlining had. We understand all these things because it's, it's just until you talk about that, to your point, you can't even talk about how much I should be compensated for that. Yeah. You, you haven't acknowledged what you've even done. Exactly. So, so that's the step. That's, that's yeah, the first step. Yeah. I do think it's possible. You think they'll do that? That Possibly, because I, I think it, it's possible, because I think the racial problem in the United States, it could get to the point where people kind of trying to rationalize how do we get out of this mess. Hmm. Uh, and the fact that Barack Obama said no on yeah. reparations Bernie Sanders said no. Hillary Clinton said no. Now, right, right. The the black voters waking up and saying we're not going by this old, you know, technology. We're not right. going by this anymore. We want something. We want something deeper. Uh, we want you to bang for Black America like you may bang for American Jews are the APAC lobby where there's something specific right. to protect them or to protect Israel. What about the protection of black America? What about the rising inequality? The only way to fix this are it's not going to be a total fix, but you're going to have to go back like a abuse victim and, and, and mm -hmm. talk about that trauma yep, yep. as a country so that people can understand. Right. How we got here. Exactly. Jesse Smollett. <laughs> Are you familiar with that case? Yeah, I'm familiar. I'm, okay, I'm, so I'm so when, it, when it first came out, how did you think about it? Um, when I first heard about it, it sounded, it sounded strange. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, you, you it, knew it, it was kind it, of it just sounded, it just sounded, yeah, it just sounded strange to me. Like you know, you You've know, been the, to Chicago. The, yeah, the bleach thing was just weird, and 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 then you know, I, but you know, I was like, you know, we'll see. But it's it's disappointing, man. It's it's like we got enough bullshit going on where 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 you 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 making us look bad, brother. Like you, like you, we got enough problems. We got people that's really out here struggling and and fighting and dealing with this. Um, you know, I have friends that have had real altercations with real racists at a gas station, like going to like throwing blows. Right. So when you see that, you have somebody just making it up, whether it's to sell albums or whether it's just get attention. It's just it's just disappointing, really. I mean, I don't that's the that's the best way I can describe it. The sad thing for me is that. A lot of his supporters, even after the technology that he tried to use and exploit the black and gay community they still support him they st they still are talking about hey he shouldn't have to go to jail because this white person did this this white person did that and it makes me think about you know during the time of the oj simpson yeah. uh, case <laughs> uh i lived in la and i actually saw the bronco Right on the 405 overpass. I was I was really kind of deep in that O.J. Simpson trial, culturally being in L.A., uh, and the a lot of the people, because of the pain and suffering, they I think knew 
that the fact pattern, the blood and all of this other stuff, that, hey, it looks like this guy killed those two people. But because of the intoxication with the pain and suffering, the community was willing to look past a double murder where O.J. Simpson, I believe, murdered uh, Nicole Simpson, Ronald Goldman, chopped them up, possibly with someone else. But the black community is kind of so in doped up on political crystal meth, racial crystal meth, a lot of us dismiss facts, dismiss kind of basic humanity. It's wrong to kill people. It looks like this guy has blood going from um, uh, L.A. to Chicago. The facts were saying this. It had some racism in it, but there some of us got to the point where I don't care. I want him to get off the hook because it's a punch back to the system. Yeah, that's what I was yeah, hearing, too. Yeah, I was saying the yeah. same thing. It was like, you know, let him get off because there's so many people who 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 couldn't or there's so many people who couldn't get off and they was mistreated or they was yeah. wrongly accused. So at least we let one go. Right. So, I mean, I've heard that argument as so, well. Do you, don't you think that uh, this, you know, now people, a lot of people are talking about identity mm -hmm. uh, where there's an abuse and pimping of identity, whether it's race, yeah. gender, sexual orientation, that people are pimping identity for profit to come up to exploit that we have to start thinking about, hey, we can get so intoxicated on, let's call it racial stuff and white folks and racism, where if you're not careful, you'll start to dismiss facts, just basic logic, common sense facts, because you're intoxicated on racial crystal meth. Yeah, I agree, man. I, it could become think, unhealthy. It, absolutely. Yeah. You, can't, you can't get so emotional and wrapped up. Because I think one of the things I believe is that we as a community, we should hold ourselves accountable more so than anybody else, right? So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It doesn't matter, you know, whether I'm black or not, right? Yeah. So, and I think, I think we need to hold ourselves accountable. And it's just kind of like, you know, the family should check the family, you know what I mean, off, off sure. tops. And then before, then, then other people say, okay, you know what, you know, my people's going, going, to, going to check me first, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's, and that you'll see that, <laughs> you'll see that, and we used to see that in prison is that one group would get out of line and his people would check him. Yeah. So that it would prevent a problem with another group that wasn't like us, right? Yeah. So and that and that's just how it had to work. And what that did was it, it it kept a level of respect and it kept a level of order where where people knew that they was gonna be held accountable for their actions, right? So it, you can't you can't get so caught up in all the um, inequality that we do have and all the stuff that is real and use that as a pass to say, you know, I'm gonna do something that okay for that. OJ exactly, Simpson exactly, to murder exactly. Nicole Simpson and Ronald exactly. Goldman. Okay for this guy to commit fraud. Now right. you don't want him to be held accountable by the system because the system's messed up. Let him go out and start committing some more fraud and abuse his own community in terms of the, the currency we have with our claim against white supremacy. Right, right. He's abusing that. Exactly. You got to hold him accountable. Right. And that's the problem because yeah. now people are going to say, they're going to use him as an example in the next argument, right? Yeah. So, so, they, so when you say racism doesn't exist, yeah, you guys, racism, you guys are faking, making it, making it up, right? Yeah. So that's, that's going to be the next argument. All right. I want to uh, thank Frederick for coming on the show. Where can people check you out online and get more information about Pigeon Lee? You can find Pigeon Lee online at P-I-G-E-O-N-L-Y.com. 
Um, you can find me on Instagram, which is where I'm mainly at, or Facebook, uh, just under my name, um, Frederick Hudson on Facebook, or on um, Instagram, I am Fast Freddy. Um, and that's pretty much where I'm at. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Let's go. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Go. You can check me out at Jamarla Martin on Twitter and also come check us out at moguldom.com. That's M-O-G-U-L-D-O-M.com. Be sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter. You can get the latest information on crypto, tech, economic empowerment, and politics. Let's go.